0: Welcome to the Kingdom at Hand. I'm Pastor Joe Faldette. And as, well, basically all of our corporate worship has been shut down now due to the coronavirus, I wanted to take a little bit of time to encourage you to worship privately, worship in your home. And now you might wonder what that means. And when I tell you, and when I encourage you to take time to worship, what I mean by that is to set aside time. We start out by setting aside time. And during that time, we should have a time of singing. And singing is a vital and very important aspect of worship because it incorporates uh, so much of ourselves into it. And I don't care what singing that is. You know, if that's hymns or if that's praise music, you can have bluegrass worship or whatever Uh, suits your fancy, but have it be something that you can sing to, something that you know. You can find those online or you can go on KJLY and listen to KJLY or something of that sort and have a time of singing in your worship. Also have a time of prayer. Take time with your family or just yourself and spend time in prayer and meditating, bringing your requests before God, because that's what God calls us to do. Then take a time in confession. Confess your sins. Take some time and ask God to reveal any sins that you have in your heart that need to be confessed and allow God to remove that. Sometimes that takes time, but then as God opens your eyes to see your sin, you can bring those before God and receive forgiveness because God has promised us that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so as we bring those sins to God in confession, acknowledging that we've done them and that they're wrong, we receive the forgiveness of God. And then I want to encourage you to take time to listen to his word. And that can be through personal reading. uh, That can be through listening to a sermon online or on the radio. That can be through, you know, a small group, uh, someone else reading a devotional or, you know, devotional books of any sort. But take that time and meditate on the word of God because that is also valuable, especially during times of crisis and chaos like we're existing in right now. And then close with a time of prayer and maybe some more singing. And that's usually how we have our worship services in church. And that's why we do them that way. So I want to encourage you to replicate that in your own homes. And so it's ironic. Um, This sermon was written three weeks ago. Before any of this stuff actually became a crisis. This was written when I was sitting in a courtroom waiting for a trial to start. And I had some free time, and so I cracked open my Bible, and I read Judges 6, 1 through 10, and there was a sermon. Well, all right. So today, a crisis with Midian, Judges 6, verses 1 through 10, and I read in Jesus' name. The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, And the Lord gave them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian overpowered Israel. And because of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For whenever the Israelites planted crops, the Midianites and the Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. They would encamp against them and devour the produce of the land as far as Gaza, And leave no sustenance in Israel, and no sheep or ox or donkey. And they would come up with their livestock and their tents. And they would come like locusts in number. Both they and their camels could not be counted. So that they laid waste the land as they came in. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites... The Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. I led you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of slavery, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians, from the hand of all who oppressed you, and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. Let us pray. Father, as we come to study your word and to apply it to our current situation, Lord, we pray that you would bless us, guide us, be glorified through us. Lord, we thank you for this text and the truths therein. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. He asleep now? Oh, that's why he was so cranky. He gets that from Kirsten. Gets cranky right before she goes to sleep. <laughs> you could <can> believe that. <laughs> you know that happened. No, no. He gets cranky. Yeah, when it's time to go to sleep. So, what's going on? So the Midian. I, I should have put up a, a map. Midian exists below Israel, south of Israel. And what currently is the Arabian Peninsula was the home of Midian. And Midian was a really quite a, I I have a picture of it. Um, Midian's desert. Midian's a tough land. Midian is, you know, a little bit of green and not much water. And so when the people of Midian came in, they came in as nomads. They just brought everything. And so the people of Israel were in trouble. And and that's to be understood. And it's understandable because the people of Israel had been straying from the Lord. They had been giving themselves over to temptation. They had been living with the gods of the Amorites. They, you know, so if you think about this, it's kind of hard. It's hard for me. I actually have to pause and put myself into their shoes. Because... The way that they viewed God and the way that they viewed God's was to a good degree different than the way we do as American Christians. You know, modern Christians. Because as modern Christians, when we think of God, we understand that He is God. You know, He is the God over the universe. He is the God that created everything. He is the God. You know, um, Muhammad is not God, but Allah is not God. And Buddha is not God. God and Brahman is not God and we don't worship those gods and we don't think that you know Brahman he's the God of the Hindus and so the Hindus worship him but we worship the Lord we worship Jehovah we worship Jesus you know he's our God he's the God over America no he is God that's not the way they viewed God they saw Elohim Yahweh as their God over their land, over themselves as a people. And then there was a God of the Midianites, and then there was a God of the Amorites. And, and so when people went to war during this day and age, it was a battle of God versus God. And the people were the pawns of the gods. And so if the Americans went to war with you know, the Germans, it would be the idea that the American God is at war with the German God. And that there's actually gods in the spiritual realm over these countries. And the power of the god is the power of the, you know, that's the one that wins. The more powerful god wins. And so when the Israelites are being tempted to worship the god of the Amorites, you have to take a step back and say, what in the world were they doing? They're worshiping a god that they just conquered. This doesn't make any sense. You know, that would be like me saying, you know, that Hitler guy, he had some really good ideas. Like, really? Or someone saying, you know, Cuba has really good health care. It's like, really? Th- these are failing things. These things that fail, why would we bolster them? Why would we celebrate them? We don't celebrate them. They failed. You know, that Windows ME, that was a stupendous operating system. No. You know, why would, why would, you wouldn't do that? All of you tech people out there understand. <laughs> so their temptation is ridiculous. It is nonsensical that they would give themselves over to something that doesn't work. But you know, when you think about it, we do that same thing, right? Whenever we give ourselves over to fear, well, what was that joke Um, There was a pastor's wife that said, worry works. The pastor said to her, her husband said to her, what do you mean worry works? She said, well, 90% of the things I worry about never happen. (laughs) So worry works. They're like, no, it's sin. Why are you giving yourself over to sin? Why are you giving yourself over to something that's evil? Why are you giving yourself over to something that fails, that doesn't function? Well, it makes me feel good. God stands there and says, No, you are doing evil in my sight. And so when I give myself over to sin, I'm actually giving myself over to the gods of the Amorites instead of giving myself over to the Lord. Instead of trusting God, instead of relying on God, I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to rely on my own opportunities. I'm going to rely on my own capability, my own creativity. I'm not going to trust God. I'm not going to do things God's way. And God says, You have an obligation to do things my way. Because my way, I I had some friends, they were in an argument, um, Micah and Cambria were having an argument back when I was in Bible school, and I don't even remember exactly what they were arguing about. And Micah quipped at the, well, Cambria said, fine, you have your way and I have my way. Micah said, yeah, but I like to call my way the right way. And (laughs) so, husbands, you can use that. Wives weren't, yeah. Um, but when God says, but my way is the right way, he's not just being silly. His way is the right way, the right way. There is no other way. And so when God here says, you have done evil in my sight. And the people of Israel did what was evil. In the sight of the Lord. All of these alternative ways of doing things. Well, we can do it this way. We don't have to follow the way the Bible says things. You know, that, that, that doesn't really fit for our world. God says, you're doing evil. If you're not following my way, that's evil. We have two options. You either do things good or you do evil. Like, well, I'll be forgiven. Why do you want to do something you need to be forgiven for? I hear people use it, oh, I'll just be forgiven anyways. Really? You're going to attempt a failed system that's going to hurt you and hurt everybody around you. Why would you want that? This is evil. Don't do evil. And who's the one that determines evil? It's God. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. They didn't do evil in Joe's sight. They didn't do evil in the priest's sight. It's in the sight of the Lord. Because it's the Lord who is the judge, and it's the Lord that then handed them over to the Midians, because it's the Lord who has control over these things. All of these things, whatever thing he's handing us over to. And it's interesting then. They wanted to worship a foreign God. So what did God do? He sent a foreign people into their land. They say, You know, the Lord isn't really that powerful, so we're gonna worship the God of the Amorites. You know why God did that? Because they weren't worshiping the one who actually had power. And so God is undercutting their God, the God of the Amorites. God says, all right, you want to test out this God of the Amorites? Here comes the Midianites. We'll see if your God of the Amorites is bigger than the God of the Midianites. And you know what? They could worship the God of the Amorites all day long and all night long, and he wasn't able to succeed. Seven years, they failed. Think about that. You know, how long has this coronavirus thing been going on? How would you like to have seven years of this sort of stuff? That's a long time. You would think that people would stop and say, you know what? This ain't working. This Amorite God, these gods, they're not doing what we thought they would do. We're being, the floor is being wiped with us. They're they're coming in and they're eating everything. For seven years, they keep worshiping the gods of the Amorites. And God says, you still haven't learned your lesson. Why did this come upon them? Because they hadn't learned their lesson. You know, I look at the coronavirus thing, and I wonder, there's, probably, there's lots of lessons to be learned. But one of them is the fact that, you know what? Our medical establishment isn't God. Our doctors aren't gods, are they? Not even Demigods. Maybe some want to be, but whatever. We don't worship them. We don't trust them. We look to the Lord. That's just one thought that's rolled in my head. Also the government and whatnot. So what is a form? Because the form will change. The form will change depending upon the attack that God sends. What God is handing them over to. So God is handing them over to the Midianites. And the Midianites are... They're nomads. So what are nomads going to do? They're not coming in with sword and spear and they're not coming in to to conquer and to you know establish encampments because they're nomads. They don't do that. So what do nomads do? They come in, they bring their sheep, they bring their camels, they bring whatever animals they got and then they devour everything. You know, and so it's not the form that matters because the form is going to be de- dependent upon they attack specific. So if the Assyrians were coming in, they would have attacked Israel differently than the, the Midianites. Had it been the Babylonians, they would have attacked differently than the Assyrians. And so when, when we're looking at this, they're sending devourers into the land. Okay, so the coronavirus is attacking us right now. This is what it's going to look like. Or you could say the government's attacking us right now. This is what it's going to look like. It's going to look different. And so we shouldn't take and focus on the form and say, you know what, it's got to be this way. God's only attacks this way. No, they sent devourers at that time. God can send anything. God can, God can hand us over in any way, shape, or form, in any manner. God can do that because it's God. We have to remember God, and so when the devourer comes, we shouldn't say, "You know, I wonder if this is God or not." Hardship comes. Yeah, you know, I wonder, is this God or is what is this? We should take a step back, another step back and say, you know what? This probably is God at work. What would he have me learn from this? How would he have me interact with this? What things can I learn through this? You know what? As Christians, we can stop and look at the coronavirus, look at the media and say, hmm, I wonder what things I can learn about this, walking with the Lord? You know, maybe it's, I shouldn't listen to the media and, or. Maybe it's, we do need to social isolate. I don't know. You know, what things can we learn through this? I know what the Israelites did. When the devourer came, the Israelites, they made holes in the ground. They hid. Which is funny, because that's what people are doing now. For whenever the Israelites planted, oh, there we go, sorry. Verse 2. And the hand of, the, of Midian overpowered Israel, because the Mid, of Midian, the people of Israel made for themselves the dens that are in the mountains, and the caves, and the strongholds. So what did they do? They hid. They hid from their problems. They hid from the devourer. They didn't, they didn't confront it. They hid. And you know what? Is, that, is it wrong to hide sometimes? No. No. There's a place and a time for hiding. David hid, didn't he? Was David going against the will of the Lord when he hid from Saul? No. Was uh, Jesus going against the will of God when he, you know, he was, what was that feast? Feast of Tabernacles? Feast of Booths? When he hid for a little while, he hid himself from the people because they wanted to either make him king or kill him. I don't remember exactly which story. I should have looked that up. But he hid. Was Jesus doing wrong? No. Was their answer necessarily wrong? No, their answer wasn't necessarily wrong, but nor was it necessarily right. They hid from the people, but they didn't call out to the Lord. And Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the people of Israel cried out for help to the Lord. So it wasn't until they were finally brought very low... So they had been managing it on their own. They were planting crops. Every year they'd come through, they'd plant their crops. And then what would the Midianites do? They would come through and they'd eat all the crops. You know, and so what do the Israelites do? We're going to go through and we're going to plant more crops. Sound like farmers, huh? Prices aren't good. What are we going to do? We're going to produce more. Um, you know, what's going on here? The people of Israel aren't crying out to the Lord. They're trying to manage it on their own. And that's what we're doing as America. That's what China did. That's what Hong Kong is doing. What are we trying to do? We're trying to manage it on our own. We're holing up. We're making holes in our homes, you know, and making those our caves and our dens. And we're hiding from each other, which, you know, for some of us, that's not that bad of a thing. But that's what we're doing. Are we crying out to the Lord? Because that's the proper answer. That's the answer that surrounds all of the other answers. That's the answer that should be the hinge pin upon which everything else turns. That's the answer. We cry out to the Lord. Because when we cry out to the Lord, who knows what God's going to do? As we were talking in our men's Bible study yesterday morning. If your son asks you for a a fish, are you going to give him a serpent? Your son asks you for bread, are you going to give him a stone? How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? You know, on the Holy Spirit, that's a a crazy promise. Because when you really think about all the things that the Holy Spirit does and is capable of doing, that's like, you know, what greater gift can you have? Because the Holy Spirit not only encourages us, but he gives us ideas, he gives us wisdom, grants us guidance, grants us direction. He changes the world on our behalf. He's the one that works miracles. He's the one that heals. So we're like, God, I need bread. God says, I'm going to give you something better. Here's the Holy Spirit. So when we cry out to the Lord, we can't say, okay, God, what I want you to do is just destroy the coronavirus everywhere right now. Because God might say, you know what? I got a better plan. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and I'm going to use Christians to do this. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and I'm going to give you an opportunity to share my gospel. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and I'm going to keep you healthy. Or I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit and I'm going to do these things through him, through you. Because God wants to do these things through us. Which is crazy to think about that. God actually wants, God wants to use us to change this world. Think about that. Us. You know, even a Norwegian. How about that? Weird. God can do that. How powerful is God? So God responds. And God's response is specific. When the people of Israel cried out to the Lord on account of the Midianites. God doesn't step in until the Israelites call out. Note that. That's important. Because God's sitting up in heaven saying, Hey, remember me? I'm still more powerful than the gods of the Ammonites who are failing. And believe it or not, I am more powerful than the gods of the Midianites who are conquering you. You call upon me. We'll fix things. I'll fix things. But he does not just come in then as this big conqueror and fixing things for the people of Israel. They finally say, okay, this isn't working. Let's cry out to the Lord. Then they cry out to the Lord, and what does God do? He sends them a prophet God, is that what we wanted? I wanted you to fix things. I don't want you to tell me to be fixed. It's not the right word. So God sends a prophet to remind them of what God has done. Why are they where they're at? You know, we stop and think about this in America for a moment. Why is America what it is? It's because it's a nation that was founded upon Christian principles. People say, well, actually our founding fathers were deists. No. Even if some of them were deists, it doesn't mean that all of them were deists. And nevertheless, it was the Christian principles that went throughout our Constitution that made this country what it is. It was the Christians that lived in this country. It was the revivals that burned through this country and changed this country to make us what we are. We can't stand here and say, you know, it's because we finally figured out the separation of church and state. Like, that's not what made America. We can't stand here and say, you know, it's because of capitalism. Capitalism made America. Democracy. Democracy made America. How's that working for Iraq, by the way? Not very well. Oh yeah, you know China. They hold elections. (laughs) Call them what you want. They ain't elections. It's not democracy. It's not capitalism. It's Jesus. It's Christianity. It's Christians. Christians walking in Christianity that made America what it is. It's God who brought us to where we are. It's God who has given us what we are. It's not because Northern Europeans have higher IQs than people of other nations. First off, they don't. But people say that. Do you know that? It's crazy. It's because of Christians. Christians walking in Christianity. That's what's going on. It's not because we have better engineers. No offense to our engineers. It's because of Christ working in us. And that's what God wanted the people of Israel to remember. Hey, remember me? I'm the one that brought you here. I'm the one that did all of these things in your lives. What happens when you follow me? That's what we as Christians should take a step back and say, you know, everything is going wrong. What do we do? I know, let's elect Republicans. It's like, no, let's pray. It's God who works. Because I'm sorry. I don't trust politicians to fix the moral realities that are going on in our world. I don't care if it's Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Green Party, there's other ones, but whatever, it don't really matter. <laughs> They're not the point. It's Christ. Christians need to call out to God because when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, then God worked. Then God sent the prophet. Then God started to move. And he reminded them first and foremost of what he had done because they needed to remember how powerful this God really is. And then he brought them face to face with their sin. Do you know what the problem has been? Do you know what the problem is? And I was actually thinking about this this morning. I was It was about 3 o'clock in the morning. I woke up. and had been having a nightmare. I woke up and I I was scared. Okay, God, what's going on? Why am I having nightmares? It struck me. You're afraid. Really? I didn't know I was afraid. Yeah. It's anxiety. You have anxiety in you right now. So I started praying about it. Okay, God, show me what's going on. What am I afraid of? And then things started coming into my mind. Things that I'd been afraid of that I'd never dealt with. And this coronavirus thing brought those things up. So this little bit more of anxiety, okay, now I have a little bit more than I can just manage through my Norwegian stoicism. (laughs) Praise God. These are things that I've been holding inside of me that haven't come out, that need to come out. So I started confessing them, God, I'm sorry that I was, I was scared of this. I wasn't trusting you. I didn't cry out to you to fix this. I just held on to the fear. What sin is that? That I would hold on to fear instead of crying out to God. That's sin. Now, are, are all those fears illegitimate? No. There are actually things that could go wrong. But what do you do with them? You know, well, let's worry about them because that works. No, we cry out to God. Yeah, 90% of the time, what I worry about doesn't happen. No, we cry out to God for that. Okay, God, you've got to be the one that protects my children. You've got to be the one that provides financially. You've got to be the one that keeps us healthy. You've got to be the one that's glorified in the midst of this. This has got to be you. You've got to be the one that works these things out. I need to cry out to you instead of just holding this fear inside of me. And so this morning, at 3 o'clock in the morning, through a nightmare, God convicted me that, you know what, Joe, you're living in the same manner that that the Israelites were. You're doing this too. And so if any of you are feeling anxiety because of all of this coronavirus stuff, stop and take the opportunity to start going through all of those things that you are afraid of. Because there are things in your life, probably, there might not be. Maybe you have dealt with all of these things. There's nothing in my life that I have any fear of that I have not talked to God about. And you know what, if that's the case, praise God, you are way ahead of your pastor. (laughs) I don't know how to take that amen there, Edgar. (laughs) You are way ahead of your pastor. He is really a putz. That's Honestly, sit down and write these things out and ask your question, have I brought this before the throne of God? Have I brought this before the throne of God? Have I brought this before the throne of God? You know, it doesn't mean it's just going to go away. Poof. What it means is that you haven't been dealing with it properly. Because how do we deal with fear? We listen to the media because they make it better. Panic. They make us panic. How do we deal with fear? We bring it to the Lord, and then we trust him to manage it. And if he says, you know what, then you have to go to a doctor about that. Then what do you do? I, God, I don't want to go to a doctor about that. No, now you're disobeying God. <laughs> no, then we do as God directs us, as God guides us. We take the wisdom that God has given us, and we say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. Because you know what? The people of Israel had to continue to trust God. Even as God, after God showed up, God calls this guy named Gideon and 300 people. But that's insane. Really, God? This is how you're going to fix the problem? You know what? That's how God fixed the problem. And so, how do we deal with crises? First, acknowledge them. That this is a problem. But this isn't a problem for God. This is a problem on a human level. We need to call out to God that he We'll work through humans by the power of his Holy Spirit in our lives, in the lives of his Christians, in the lives of his people to change this world. This is how we deal with crises. We don't just hide. We pray. Amen. Any questions? Let's pray. Father, bless us. Guide us through the midst of this, that you might be glorified. Lord, that you might work. We need you to work, Lord, because you are the one that's powerful. Our governments aren't powerful. Lord, they can't even change the weather, but you can. Lord, our governments can't fight viruses, but you can. You can grant wisdom. You can grant people wisdom. Lord, we ask that you would move. Lord, and that in the midst of this, that people who don't know you might come to know you. And that people who know you just a little bit might come to know you well. Lord, that you would show up and that you would open people's eyes to their need for you. Use these crises to help us not worship the gods of the Amorites, but to trust you. Father, we thank you that you are God of all. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen thank you for listening today during the period of this coronavirus crisis that we're interacting with. I think I'm going to try to actually put out more material. And so make sure that you check back and see what we've got both here and on our YouTube page and see how God blesses you during this time. Don't be afraid of this, but rather take it as an opportunity to grow in your relationship with Christ personally, all throughout history, monasteries, And monks and abbots have encouraged people to take time alone, away from the grind, away from the rat race to spend time with God. So now we're just being forced into that. Take this as an opportunity to grow in your relationship with Christ.